win finally, after waiting all these years, the wait is over, and Roddy Dahlia strips again. <laughs> it's That's So MLS. The thing you um, didn't even know you missed. A North American soccer podcast with myself, Andrew Bates, and Nick Thornton. Hello. It's, it's been a minute. <laughs> it's Nick, a ca- we did it. We did it. We made it. We, we there was, almost made it. <laughs> The season is over. They did. They did one of these these dang finals. They did. It seems like it was played ten years ago now. Um, but I guess it was <laughs> only just a week ago that the fate of MLS twenty twenty one was decided. They put the stamp on it. Of course, New York City FC playing in Portland to Portland, and of course, emerging triumphant over Portland. I mean, do we all now feel like the uh, inflatable MLS trophy that that, that wasn't that deflated. That deflated. Ah, uh, there's just the metaphors just keep flowing this year. I tell you. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think where I want to start with this game is that it was an electric atmosphere. It was clear yeah. that like Portland needed a thing to rally around. There was a lot of buzz and conversation and. I really hope that that hasn't been tarnished because <laughs> I, I understand the need to celebrate literally anything. I really, really do. Um, but what I guess we'll we'll get into the nitty gritty of it. But I think as just a, a way to cap off the season, it was nice that there was so much positivity around this final match. I thought that everybody kind of felt like the two teams who were in the final had earned their spots there. I know that Portland fans may say otherwise, probably Philadelphia Union fans as well. But I I think that it was set up for an interesting final, teams that we don't get to see too often. I get before we even get into the nitty-gritty of it, I kind of want to know just did this game live up to your expectations, whatever those expectations may have been. Um I think that everything in in the the, the power of the narrative I guess in 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 this idea of Portland finally being able to um to host and potentially celebrate an MLS Cup final at home was so strong and powerful um but the what ended up afterwards was almost this sort of tragic you know this tragic narrative over you know we never get to win at home or we you know after after losing the the MLS Cup final a couple of years back in Atlanta, just like, okay, next time. Although this is kind of a little bit more of the window closing. I think it lived up to my expectations because of that uh, tying goal from Portland mm. at the very tippy-tippy end of extra time. Because <laughs> the, if, the tippy-tippy end of extra time. Oh, I really hope that like, gets taken up by a MLS announcers. We're in the tippy top of time now. Sorry, go ahead. The tippy top, the very tippy top of the of the ninety. Um, it, it could, because that was like, you know, I think that it would have been a real disappointment yeah. from all if it was from all in, involved. If it was, um, say in a sense, obviously I know that the, the parameters are different, but like. Yeah, you know another if if New York City in that in that ninety minutes played um, a really great game. They were able to get the uh, they they were able to get the goal. They were able to mostly keep control. They were able to contain um, you know contain 
that breaks and 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 attempts and and there mm-hmm. were not that many other you know sterling opportunities for Portland. Although some Portland was able to get you know stuff going forward from points, but but New York City had a a, a lot of control on the game in the ninety. Yeah, and if that had been the away MLS Cup win, I think it it would have left a slight feeling of dis like you know just yeah I, just like okay sure i think the goal definitely mattered um yeah i think that's that's all like a totally fair assessment of things like for me this game was kind of characterized by a portland side that's shown a ton of heart through great adversity this season but like honestly looked pretty ragged out there at times like i yeah. i don't think that there's too many arguments that portland uh you know they put up a good fight but like they just didn't seem to have it and that seemed apparent through most of the match but i agree the thing that made it sort of obviously a contest and sort of worth the price of admission is this late goal from mora until we get there i mean i tweeted about it a lot and so i just feel like i should sort of talk about it or i don't want to say like address it because like five people follow our twitter but um I was kind of griping about City players really throwing themselves to the pitch through much of the first half. And I think that frustrated Portland a lot. And to be clear, like, my main point was this sucks to play against. And I, I think the referee is making largely the right calls out there. But if you're New York City, this is absolutely as a tactic the thing, the very thing you need to do when you're playing an away game in a final. <laughs> like, I'm not saying I love it, but the sort of more crafty dives, I think, where players are purposely throwing their bodies around an opposing player to make it look like there's an egregious foul, when in fact, you know, on replay, you just see a player run into the other player and then throw them like wrap themselves around <laughs> while they fall to make it look like there's contact like come on guys i can see you i know I, i've seen it up close <laughs> i might have done I'm... it a few times myself but like i i think that that really unnerved and got under portland's skin a lot and just broke the game up enough that from um diala's perspective leading into this game is that you you really want to make sure that Portland's not getting a a grip early on. And I, I I I know we say this all the time with finals. You know, before that goal, the forty fifth, forty first minute goal from Castellanos. Mm-hmm. Um, but even I would say, like much of the first six, that was good, obviously. But the much of the first six, sixty minutes are like not inspiring watching. You know, it wasn't it it it, it I I. Went into it wanting to enjoy it. Obviously, I wasn't trying to not. No, you know. of course, but it it, but, I, it did uh, up to that point feel kind. I agree. The first sixty minutes felt like not a great contest. It felt inevitable that New York was going to score. I think, if anything, we were all surprised it took so long. Um, and this is, I think, drawn up in their game plan too: is get a first half goal, unsettle Portland, and then just try to control the second half, which I think if New York, you'd say largely they did. I feel bad because, you know, everybody harps on Steve Clark for any time he misses a save. I I think he's got his positioning a little bit wrong on this one, um, right. and he's just a bit late. But, like, 
to be fair to any goalkeeper, like the conditions out there were pretty fucking miserable. <laughs> like visibility <laughs> did not look good. It's pissing down rain. There's wind. Like I'm not saying the wind or rain affected the ball going into the net, but I think that the visibility mixed with just uh, not a great position from Clark means... Are you going to be on your perfect game all of the time in that situation? Doesn't feel like it. Well, and especially when it's like it's a perfect ball over the top from Maxi Morales to the golden boot scorer of MLS. So it's to me, it's like... I think I think my reaction to the Steve Clark hate was like I don't see anyone else lining up to like defend against Castellanos shots in the pouring rain so let's let's go easy on him um I think that the story on Clark and and we'll talk about it a little bit more when it comes to the penalties is uh, I think a very good keeper who is not necessarily among like the very best in MLS but is still very good and like he will sometimes have a, a goal like that come against him. But then again, there was also that free kick for Maxi Morales that he saved, right? Like, what, And we, that's, that's the thing I feel with Steve Clark is that in the, and that's like, okay, yes, he does make some errors sometimes, but like, you know, so have lots of top goalkeepers pretty consistently. Yes. In fact, like, yeah, I agree. I think, Yes, you meet, sometimes he's going to let one in, but also there's moments where he's making big saves against great players. So, And doing a lot of work. That's what I always think of when I think of, of Steve Clark, is that he has a lot put on him. Yeah, and, and alert as well. But I, I think it is fair to say that as just like an out-and-out shot stopper on like set pieces, is he one of the best? No. As an overall goalkeeper? Yeah, I think he is one of the better ones in the league, but... Anyway, don't get me riled up about. Don't go after the goalkeepers. Um, That's right. There's sort of an I interesting was... asterisk to that goal, which is that as they celebrate, I think it was Rodriguez who gets hit in the face with a bottle, of, like or a, like with a beer or something. Oh yeah, I th- I thought I said this on. I mean, I didn't have uh, access to the the fucking ZipRuder uh, to see what it was. I think it's a white claw. Like it's a short. It's a short tall can. That adds insult to injury. I mean, like, I don't drink anymore, <laughs> so it doesn't matter. But if I'm getting hit in the fucking face with anything, it better not be a white claw. But also, <laughs> it just sucks as a moment. And I'm I'm glad that we got the update that, like, Portland fans surrounded the, the person who threw the thing and they got kicked out and banned from the stadium. Like, it, it sucks and you don't want the actions of one to tarnish an entire section or supporters or anything but it just it just fucking sucks i know everyone listening to this show knows but just there's literally no reason why you should ever be throwing anything on a pitch ever it's it 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 is um something seems to be bubbling up you heard the the statement from the french government that they would start abandoning league matches if there was stuff thrown on the pitch because there's just too much of it yeah and and i don't know how much of that influences this but it's just Clearly, people are seeing the amount of access that are given to you, you know, and and, and abusing it. I think that um, I think I'm it's torn. Also, think it's a bit of the television thing. Like as it gets a bigger and bigger audience, I think there's there is a bit more of them. I mean, I know, I also know that like there's just drunk idiots that just throw shit regardless. Like through history, it's a pretty common thing that goes hand in hand but i wonder if some of it is also a play to just sort of the like viral media culture of like oh but what if i can do it and you know get a great image out of it 
I don't know. I think I think that it um it definitely looked bad on 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 folks. Um, I think that I feel glad that the the person was like pretty immediately um sort of flagged and in, in, yeah. In, that's the kind of by, thing that by nearby fans. If it was dealt like the fact that it was dealt with like while the match was still happening felt like a nice. <laughs> It made it easier to move past it. It would have not been, like, a nice thing to have hanging over, you know, the end of the match. Yeah, they were able to to come up and say, you know, we we dealt with it. They they post, I remember that being posted on Twitter during the match. Yeah, and I get, like, you know, the player's fine and stuff like that. But it is just, like, crazy fucking dangerous and stupid. And, like, you know, I just, it sucks just sucks anyway you never want to be you never want to be as a as a fellow fan you never want to be in a situation where it's put on you to be the fucking cops in the situation yeah exactly but but i mean we are all here together as a group we need to we need to you know respect that and be cool in a situation well and 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 it's really your endanger people your only option unless you're cool with just like putting the boots to someone in the stands which i'm not endorsing (laughs) also don't do that also also don't do that you know um even if you really want to but yeah so even if they deserve it please don't get yourself kicked don't get sent off it's rule number one we just have one simple rule that's a great point don't get sent off um the so we come to the end of the game. Like I said, I thought that there, you know, things obviously as the, the drama hooks begin to tighten, um, they become it becomes you know more the things become more urgent on Portland side. Um, I don't always think a lot of those runs are good, but there are runs towards the end of the game. Yeah, and then it just sort of almost felt like a magnet. You know, Timbers mm-hmm. got. A hundred tries at this ball. Um, Chara crosses to Mabiala, who heads it back to Niazgoda. Shoots, is blocked, and the, the blocked ball uh, comes out to Mora, who got the goals in the previous game. And uh, and he does not fail on the last minute of, added to, of, of injury time uh, to score. Everybody absolutely goes ballistic. It's pretty great. Um, as as goal cele- as celebrations go, and I obviously get it would lean towards Portland in this. It's incredible. Like <laughs> it, it's an amazing goal celebration for a team that does not end up winning this game. Um, obviously, the biggest celebration of the game is during that goal. <laughs> um, that's the moment, right? That's the that's the that's the moment people will remember. People will remember probably. Uh, Providence Park for for sort of legendary moments like the the Sporting Kansas City and I hope so like I and... I hope that's the takeaway here. Um, it's an incredible achievement. And it's an incredible a moment in a incredible run that just fell short. But the big picture perspective for me, I mean, I know we still have to talk about the actual penalties, but the the bigger picture to me is through everything Portland scraped and fought to get to the final, and that's an incredible achievement. I I think that there's a lot of teams for whom if things had gone differently, their whole season would have gone differently, and we might have two different teams in the finals. Yeah. So the, the takeaway should just be the simple fact that either team made it to this point, regardless of the adversity they faced or didn't face, 
everybody <laughs> has had mm-hmm. a hell of a season, and I, I think it's fair to say that New York and Portland are two of those teams. Um, and it sucks to, to be the the host team and not get it, but you, I, I really felt like watching Portland, it was, I was watching a side that had just given everything to get there and really didn't have much left in the tank to give. And what they yeah, had, they I, em- emptied. Like there was nobody out there dragging their heels because they didn't want to be there. But just literally seeing players just look gaunt with like exhaustion, and yeah. you know, fighting in the hundred twentieth minute and the pissing down rain. It's like, yeah, you know, someone's got to win it and someone's got to lose it. So that's right. The I want the one thing I before we go to the penalties that I wanted to discuss. Was that we t- we talked pre we talked previously when we we went over our scenarios for what had to happen. <laughs> I per- I I predicted one one going to penalties, but I predicted the other team winning obviously, and I predicted more penalties. But um, you the the scenario that you outlined for how New York City does it is um, Castellanos uh, comes up big in the big stage, and he did. It's true. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that anybody who saw any of Castellanos play this season just saw a player who there's not a lot of them in MLS right now, but if he decides he's going to score a goal, he's going to score a fucking goal. So uh, that that part felt like a pretty easy prediction to make, <laughs> a, pretty, as, a pretty safe one. As much as it, it was, as we talked about, like Clark being a little off of, out of position... It was really well worked from Castanos, I thought. Like I don't oh, think yeah. I don't I don't think the average player would be able to get that. Yeah, no, that's a, a great point. It's a trickier ball to deal with than it looks. I, I don't favor that one to, to save. It does curl around really nicely and I think yeah. Uh I I predicted that the if if Portland was to win, the 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 depth scoring would have to deliver and you know uh, Espria got one shot. Um, you had a couple players who had one or two shots. Paredes had three shots, um, but there wasn't. There just wasn't a lot asking there. Paredes had that late shot on the in pretty much. I think the only really, really, really good shot chance of extra time. Yeah. Um, well, and for New York as well, like just. Man, some of their their ball, their through balls, and and some of the penetrating runs that fell fall followed. Good lord, words. Um, th- just the way they move the ball around is is like, well, fuck. <laughs> you know, put any team out there, and and as we've seen, like New York can when they hit their rhythm, they just really pass the ball like no one else right now. So there's that part of it as well. Um, so we go through the motions. I feel like things were tipping Portland's way up until the goal. And I feel like that goal really was the signal that like Mora's kick was maybe the last bit of juice they had in the, <laughs> to, to give. Yeah. Cause much of added time, it looked like, like they had moments, but it really looked like New York was sort of tightening the screws <laughs> again and just being like, okay, we can do this in PKs. That's fine. If you want to draw this out. And I mean, we made this prediction earlier in the playoffs, but, like, it just sort of feels like, and this is why I walked away from the game, because I had a commitment I had to run to, 
was that if you're going to leave it, if you're going to leave your fate up to Sean Johnson, <laughs> you better hope <laughs> you better hope he's on your team. And it, it just felt like yeah. if Portland couldn't do it in added time, Sean Johnson just loves to break hearts. He's got an incredible technique. Um, his ability to read players is is fantastic, and you know I thought Steve Clark performed well in the penalties given the situation. It really looked like he just cleared his head and got on with it, but it's Sean Johnson, man. Like <laughs> I I felt when when coming into this that you had I I hearkened back to um, the Sean Johnson Matt Turner matchup. Yeah, when you were. I'm really evaluating it as a like like a clash of two absolute top level keepers in MLS and you know um feeling feeling a challenge about the, choosing anybody but Johnson and Johnson was able to to perform in that um I definitely as I I keep coming up with all this faint praise to refer to Steve Clark, but it's just like, he's just simply not exactly on that level as Matt Turner. Can you we know, have like, a new segment of the show just called faint praise? <laughs> because it's like, like the, what you, the most in a, in a championship scenario, and, and this has come up in other scenarios and other, in other leagues and other stuff. Um, you get the one save. That's the most you can ask for. Right. Like, Sure. Like these, these, these things are um, a, a, in some ways a, a, I won't, I won't say a lottery, but like you know the 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 odds are against you, huge. There's absolute. There's very high level leagues where, like, keepers don't save penalties. Like yeah. <laughs> it'll just be round after round of penalties because keepers aren't making saves. And obviously, you could argue, well, the quality of the goal score is that much better. But I, I just think it's fair to say, like, if a keeper anywhere in the world is able to make one save in a penalty type situation, that means they're very good at what they do. <laughs> and it, and was, I agree, is really all you can sort of hope for. In New York City, New England, it's like the two sides did almost everything perfect except Sean Johnson got a save and Matt Turner didn't. And that all—that's all it was. Mm-hmm. And it, in in this case, you look at it and you say, "Well, Steve Clark went into this situation. He got a save. I don't necessarily think that the penalties from Portland were disappointing. Um, but in much the same way that um, Andre Blake for Philadelphia was like, I'm going in the shootout against Nashville. Was like, mm. I'm going to." I'm going to absolutely take full control of the situation. Yeah. Um, I think that it had that, you know, to save the first shooter and then also save the second shooter, even though Clark got his save. It's like the, the momentum, the momentum, the body language is so yeah. wrecked. Yeah. Yeah. I think he pointed that out in the game and I, I definitely noticed that difference as well. I mean, Sean Johnson always just kind of looks like that, like just ready, <laughs> very re- <laughs> present and, and ready. But I, I feel like, you know, Steve Clark, his his technique is he crouches quite low as the penalty kicker is approaching the ball. And he's kind of rooted to the spot. And Sean Johnson is, is moving and making himself big. And then uh, you also pointed this out, I think, where he does this tricky 
cut back with his feet so that his left foot is behind the line. But That's he right. throws the whole rest of his body forward, which of course means that you have one foot touching or behind the line. So it's a perfectly legal move for now. Um, but it means that he's a, but even just the way that he's preparing, he's, he's moving around and making himself big. And I, I just think he knows the best thing that he can do for his team is save as many of those damn things as he can. And the best place is to start with the first. And he's clearly done his homework. I thought Valeri's penalty was a little disappointing. I, I don't think it was great technique. I think maybe that's an argument for why you would want him to have put been put on a little bit earlier. Um, although... Because he came on in like the 86th minute. Yeah, I, I think Savarese knew, okay, let's see how long we can push it and bring him on for those final moments. But I think that's the issue that you have when you play Valeria as a sub like that. And maybe that's all he has to give and that's fine. But I feel like where he's at right now is he kind of needs like 40 to 60 minutes to really warm up and get a feel for things. Diego Valeria of your, <laughs> maybe yeah. not so much, but it, like there's, it's not a knock against him. It's just father time is catching up. He didn't look re- like, I thought for the first 10 minutes he was on, he brought some freshness, and then that was about it. But he didn't look confident stepping up to the penalty. I don't think it was particularly well taken. And for me, is kind of like the sad rain cloud over this match is that if that is Valeri's end to Portland, it just feels like not a great send-off for him. I think the goal no. in the game and making it a bit more of a match is good, but I don't think he's going to rate that as one of his better performances and nor his or the teams and it's also just like they're victims of circumstance like everyone else like I don't think they didn't prepare correctly I think maybe they could have made some different subs and earlier but Savarese like by you know his teeth pulled this team <laughs> into the finals uh, and yeah, it just you kind of felt at like a, a huff and a puff once they got there you can't. You cannot look at that other than anything than a great success. Yeah, absolutely. Um, um, I was gonna say about Valeri. It's like the unfortunate. The unfortunate fact is that um, that's just how the, the unfortunate fact about sports is is that you know when we say goodbye to our sports idols, um, they are never you know. Exactly in that that heroic mold that we remember them in, you know. Unless you're Dominic Hasek retiring in two thousand eight, damn straight at nine hundred and fifty seven years old, <laughs> winning the cup and retiring at that same day, like so few people go out on top because it just provides yeah. that. Um, and for me, it, that doesn't take any of the tarnish off of Valeri's achievements. I just yeah. mean that, like, as a as a, if that's his final day as a timber, it's sort of like, ah, damn. I mean, I'm glad it was at home and with the fans and stuff. I think it would be great if he could push an extra season where he maybe does the player coach thing um, to transition out of playing. Uh, but yeah, I, I think it's an. If you're a Portland fan, to me, that's kind of the thing that I'd feel the most disappointed about is that for everything that Valeri has given to the city you know he wanted to give them a cup and you know the portland fans wanted it for him just as bad and so it sucks that neither gets that but 
I, I think that relationship is still incredibly special. And, and just as a player in MLS, I mean, Diego Valeri is like what our bread and butter just giving us stuff to talk about. So one uh, of the greatest players in the league yeah. uh, that the league has seen. And, and I think that one of the things that makes me feel, you know, where you have to go with it, with those emotions is that now when, now when we sit back and look at his career, it's 2015 that we're going to look at. It's 2017 when he won yeah. MVP. Um, you can, you can at least say that there's no there's no sense that that Valeri is is like an uncrowned. Yeah, no, no one's going to be like you know? MLS Cup losing Diego Valeri. <laughs> like, clearly, clearly, um, it'll just be one that the Portland fans will always be like, "Yeah, man, if only." Oh man! But that's what sports is, right? Like we don't. Most of us don't get to win. Most of us don't get to have the. This, the final send-off that's perfect, as you said. That's that's the anomaly. Great form for Felipe Mora to, to try to impress himself as, as it seems like it it seems like this is maybe the end of the window for, for the Portland core. Mm-hmm. To a certain degree. Like, they're going to have to find some more. They're going to have to cycle through. Yeah, they will. And But I, I also feel like, given the situation to be coming up as coming out as runners up and being in maybe a bit of a transition time now i i think is okay i think that there is a still a good younger core of players and a lot to be working with um i couldn't help but think throughout this whole game man Wonder if Abobasi was up top if this ends any differently. And I know you can't you can't live in alternate universes, but Yeah, I think that's fair. You know. Just a just a thought. Um The uh the if I may. You may. The other big you know, the other big talking point is is what this means for New York City and what this means for that club. Mm-hmm. Um it's kind of a weird feeling to me because I think that when they first entered the league, they were a really easy target and, and in some senses are still a very easy target as like this, you know, the this totally like new, seemingly a little bit like plastic invention of the New York Yankees uh, and the New York Yankees, Manchester City, and I think there's a little Barcelona in the ownership group. Mm-hmm. Just, just thoroughly... Uh, make funnable. Um, to a certain, to a certain extent, I think, in, and it was so easy to you know to to cheer against them. Um, but I also kind of with with when they were in their sort of like you know David Vila era. Mm-hmm. Um, but the you know to when they had the big stars that you could sort of you know cheer at. I think that there is a different sort of respect because they did now because they did um, get their lumps. I think that when you look at what the manager has done, I think there's a lot of respect for that. And I think there's a lot of, uh, you know, players on the team where you look at it, you just be like, these are the, these are some of the best players in the league and they've been doing what they do for a long time. Mm -hmm. Um, I can't say that I didn't feel a little bit when you know when you see the the city football group begin to step from the shadows that uh that I didn't get some of that old feeling back of like well 
I'm happy for the people involved. I'm happy for the you know the third rail and 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 you know those those folks that sure. have, that have that have st- stood by it. But there are still some weird there are still some weird vibes around New York City. Totally. Um, and it's been. But a I would little say bit... that's true of Portland's ownership group too. If we're, <laughs> I mean, if we're gonna go there, we can that's go true. there. I think one That's of my true. things, and, and this isn't by no means in defense of like Citigroup, <laughs> like that's, um, yeah. But also, like, I mean, look at the kinds of people who can afford sports teams and want to buy them. They're generally not like cool people. <laughs> um, yeah. So I I feel like it's it's a fun shot to take, but also like you can't tell me for a second that if a giant conglomerate like that purchased another club and meant and that meant huge dollars for huge players people wouldn't shut up about it pretty quickly like it's it's easy when it's the opponent but i yeah. and i would and i will say this as well i've been incredibly impressed with the way portland fans and thorns fans have really held ownership accountable or and been has been trying to so that's not yeah. a, a knock against the fans who are trying their damnedest to to Effect change in the ways they can. I'm I just saying appreciate, that, like, you know, owner, ownership they, in general just sucks. <laughs> I have heard, I've heard from other people that they had from, from Portland folks that they had that um, that feeling of unease about the situation. It was great that they they had the um, that they had the protest. Um, yeah. yeah, against what has happened with the, the Florence because. Because I, my understanding is is that they didn't, you know, they they appointed, um, you know, Karina LeBlanc the 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 new GM, and they made these moves, but they never got rid of Gavin Wilkinson. Mm-hmm. He's still there. The this is the 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 player implicated in the and obviously you know the the ownership that it's implicated in the Paul Riley debacle is still there. But you know, people have their people have their issues with. Wilkinson in for his role in that and and you know the the allegation in the, in the story when that came out that he you know had a had an axe to grind against Manashim for coming out yeah while while a player um the and he's still there and I I think that that was like a definite you know that was a definite tension that was holding on everything is that. You know, it wasn't as much as you you make a great point about you know that this is just they just struggled to get to this level and they were able to do it. There was also just this feeling of of like how unreservedly can we party here, mm. given the situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, and and that's a that's a that's a reasonable concern. Totally. Um, but yeah, just, just going back to the, the New York city thing. Um, so given what you said about it, so are you saying we can, we can, we can feel happy for these guys? Is that what you're saying? Sure. I mean, in a world that is terrifying, uh, under our new Lord Omicron, I feel like (laughs) it is necessary and pertinent to celebrate literally anything whenever possible. 
Uh, <laughs> this is a change and update to my old world view in which I cared more about other shit. <laughs> and now it's just nice to see some people win a thing and hug each other and be happy. I'm okay if I don't love that club. <laughs> that's, I, where, that's where we're at right now. <laughs> that's fair. I'm, and that's true. Like What I remember, I my larger problems I still have, but what I remember is going to Yankee Stadium and uh, going to the Third Rails pub afterwards and drinking with them all night. And I'm hoping that everyone I shared a drink with that night, those years ago, had a wonderful time. Yeah, and, and I think that that's, like, and I, I hope that doesn't sound dismissive of, like, the very many serious issues that plague soccer and professional sports and that people are working towards trying to solve. Um, I, But, yeah, I, I think right now it, it's incredibly tough for people, and I think one of the, the little bright lights that I've certainly had through this season and just being a soccer supporter in general is that... This is the great thing about doing the show and following the league is that, I mean, there's not really any teams that I hate anymore because you meet people and you get to know people and you see f fans in different places and you're kind of like, well, at least, yeah, I can feel good for like, <laughs> you know, one person on our Twitter feed or I, I think that, <laughs> or or your your experience actually getting to, to be in person with people, I think is is important. And I, for me, that's kind of always the takeaway from soccer regardless of the context is like look it's it's an insane thing that we care so much about and it's great and we should care about it um and and also you have a big tournament and someone wins you celebrate the winner like we don't need to be down about anything else um i think it's just okay to be happy about it. now that like we'll test this theory if la galaxy win next season but um i'm i'm happy for <laughs> happy for soccer our as our ever our motto coming into the season has not changed it's chill soccer that's why we're doing this chill soccer a week after the <laughs> the thing was played like it just there's so much to contend with right now being a person in this world how can you feel anything but just happy that there was some soccer on tv this year uh and if for those that were able to like to actually go see it in in person that they have, uh, that's my takeaway from this season and the final soccer is good I got to see one game this year, so I was happy about that. The and it was a win. The uh, the season that puts the closes the door on that uh, that wonderful old season there. Uh, that is we it. We mentioned we mentioned Ronnie Dahlia uh, fulfilling his promise that he made to a random member of the third rail on Twitter, and and like he did in Norway, uh, stripping down to his underwear and doing push-ups. As as everyone yeah. uh, rung, ringed around the 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 specter of the Philadelphia Union um, as is you know situation uh, now that you've seen Omicron it's like I the they really seem that they got the the final under the the radar and yeah I appreciated Man. Jonathan Tannenwald saying who who covers who is like a beat reporter for the Union he would if anybody. You know he's he's a he's a he's always um, a good reporter, but like if anybody would have you know an inside view on 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 what is unfair or unfair in that situation, yeah. He mentioned on Twitter like 
if they had postponed it, they may not have been able to play the final. Because <laughs> when you would you have postponed it to? Mm-hmm. Right into the heart of when Omicron was happening? So, so... You would have postponed it into the start of the 2022 season. <laughs> we're right back where we started, which we everybody has to check their calendars and be like, wait, so which year? I know what year we're playing in, but what year are we playing for? It would have happened right to, it would have happened right after the 2020 Voyagers Cup final. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um so so I feel bad. I still feel bad. It's but you know, I lo- I really like the way you put it. Yeah. It's like now, the, not to not to take away from those comments at all, but since it's breaking news and we never get that here on the show, uh, as we record, oh, break uh, me, come on, let's I go. I am reading Steve Clark's farewell message to the Portland Timbers on Instagram. Thank you oh. to the Portland Timbers for the last three point five seasons. It's been an incredible ride. The decision to leave isn't one I took lightly. To the fans, your passion reignited my own. I'll never forget the sound of Providence Park chanting my name. Oh. That hits in the heart. Not confirmed by the club yet, but those are his own words on his account, which seems fairly like that's fairly certain. Um, seems like it. Eligible for free agency, so... Interesting. Interesting one there. I was going to ask you before we kind of get into like news around the league, because there's been some movement and we have a new team to talk about that actually has players now. Um... When you think about this season <laughs> and all its weirdness and glory, what do you take away from it? Like, I'm not necessarily saying, like, rate it as, like, good, bad, or ugly, but just what do you personally draw from this season? What's your takeaway that makes, you know, is it a different thought or reflection about MLS or just, yeah, I don't know. Obviously, I think that in some ways it was better than last year in terms of that chill soccer aspect of like did everybody get to bring their their best to the fore um i definitely agree with you that if like something some things had gone different ways for some teams things could have been very different we could have had a final two like you know different final uh, different final twos Mm -hmm. i think that the definitive statement on this season has to be the coaching carousel. Yeah. The, the fact whether or not it's people that were getting a pass through 2020 because of pandemic related weirdness or, mm-hmm. um, a, a, you know, a, a, a requirement that you have to put some results together or, or what? Um, I think that the, the plan did not work out for a lot of teams. Yeah. And the in and there are still more teams for whom the plan did not work out that did not fire their coaches. Yeah. Like 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 uh the exception this season was not firing your coach regardless of how well things worked out or didn't. Yeah, like like and I just think that that's the that's the you know, Phil Neville still has a job, right? I had to double check. I was like, what if he... <laughs> I had to double check every game there for a while. Phil Neville still is employed with Inter-Miami, so... But it's like, if you look at what... If you look at uh, LA, both of them. If yeah. you look at um, Atlanta. Toronto. If you... There are Chicago. Toronto. 
There are a lot of teams, Vancouver, but I'm I'm talking about Columbus. I'm talking about like the 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 top teams, mm. which are burdened with expectations. Right. Oh, good teams. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> that list is shorter. <laughs> I was like, why are you forgetting so many teams? Oh, you're just meaning the ones that like win a lot of games and stuff. <laughs> yeah, the ones that usually win a lot of games. That didn't yes. Win, right. Like, like, I'm like caught the, up to the point you're trying to make. That's what I think is that is that. The, both in terms of like what constitutes like all around the league obviously a lot of teams um, fix it you know, um, switch their stabs around and, and I think that the it comes down to not being able to execute in, in, in this I feel like it's a it's a hard to solve league you know we talk about sometimes yeah. about yeah. We talk sometimes about uh, about coaches from the outside failing because they don't have experience, um, mm. you know, of, of they don't understand the rules or they don't understand like what it t- exactly you know how to be competitive and succeed in the league. Um, I'm not a thousand percent sure that people in the league know how to stay. <laughs> and you know what? I think if if that's an update to to one of our points in the past, I think that that's a really fair statement to make. I don't think it makes an ounce of difference anymore. Like, who knows how to do anything just as a person? But you're right. No, you're absolutely right. I think that that's a very fair statement. I, I at, at this point going forward, coaches from outside MLS coming in, I'm just, all I'm going to say is like, hey, why not? Because I don't know. I don't know exactly what it takes to to win We're, MLS. Like the league is the league is uh, is I think ripe for a new what esports players refer to as a new meta. You know, like like the you nobody you can't necessarily you know look and be like okay well what did the champions do New York City they had great players and a good coach okay. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, and then they like they turfed that plan and went with like the untested route and won MLS Cup. <laughs> so, like that's the that's you the know, one not, thing. That's an oversimplification, obviously, but like, but tell me that's wrong. <laughs> they were consistent, and this is a league that that did, did not have a lot of consistency in it. And usually, usually the league kind of rewards that, you know. Um, not to say that you know New York City didn't lose as well over the course of the league. It's not like they qualified as shield winners or 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 were close were anywhere close to the shield, mm-hmm. um, but the uh, just you know that was a that was an example of the plan working. It basically, it, it, at most points in the year, there wasn't really a huge drop off um, that I can recall. So, it, in terms of what other teams are going to have to do, it's like you can look at. Well, obviously, any everyone that didn't win didn't um, live up to expectations. But like, you could maybe say New England, but New England's going to be pissed that they didn't win. It's like like there's a there's a lot of teams there that are going to be looking at this and to think, okay, we need to we need to like figure out what happened last year. Yeah, but Colorado is going to be happy with their 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 points position, but then they went out in the first round of the playoffs, like. Everyone has a uh, one. It is still just like, like, how do you take away all that much as a as a player or a coach that you can't just chalk up to like 
the schedule is imbalanced. The travel sucked. There was quarantining. There was so much uncertainty. Teams that were like literally living in different states and countries for multiple months. Like, you know, what if you made it through any of that? I kind of feel like, again, regardless of where your team ended up, it's like, well, sure, okay. You know, for Cincinnati, it's frustrating. <laughs> for Inter Miami, disappointing. Sure, there's a few teams where I, I feel like you could say, like, they needed to do something different or achieve more than they did. But for everybody else, I just, again, I feel like <laughs> the fact that they showed up, played games, or won any of them, I think is a testament to humans' abilities to, you know, work through adversity and work through really trying times. So, um, I, I feel like yeah. you don't want to change all that much. So we're going to have, like, a few things different. Do you know, the picture is starting to 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 become clear. We're going to have, you know, we the, the Bob Bradley in Toronto situation. Yeah. Obviously, that's going to be kind of like a big change in, in the, a big center. Some of these other teams, you know, LAFC doesn't have a coach yet. Um, the where things are going to go from here and I guess where, where some of the big focuses of attention are is still uh, is still going to be up for grabs. Some of these positions are, you know, Pablo Mastroeni in, in RSL is is also got his interim tag taken, taken off. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. In some of the cases, it's like I kind of feel that this was a transitional year for Greg Vanny as well at the LA Galaxy. So For sure. So there will be some, like, I think sort of, like, narratively things are going to move. Yeah. Um, Next year. And it'll be it'll be interesting to see how some of that happens. I don't know. How are you feeling about uh, Charlotte, the new expansion team? Yeah. Which, uh, which had its draft. Like, is this? I. Uh, Sorry. Yeah. Is this is this a, a team that you think is going to you know storm onto the stage or 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 what? To what do you think of the the move so far? Um, yeah, I admittedly forgot Charlotte FC was joining the uh, league until the draft day, um, which is on me. <laughs> That's not to downplay the excitement of having them join the league. I just literally forgot. I, I feel seems like, like we have a new one each week. Yeah, it's a, it's just there's a lot going on <laughs> in MLS, especially in any given year. I feel like they've so far put together an entirely okay side that I know is far from complete, and with lots of MLS experience, I'm just not sure how far that gets you anymore. You know, I think about the Cincinnati's and this the Austin as well. You know, and I think Austin had a fine season. Um, for the most part. But I I just think it takes a lot more, (laughs) as we've discussed with the coaches. I I think there was a time when MLS experience mattered more, and and yes, I sense that's shifting. So um, I I think that they've got a good core of players. They've brought in some interesting players. I felt like their biggest, most interesting signings, they have traded away from money. Um, or international spots, etc., which is fine. They obviously have a longer vision for what they want to do, but I, I sort of thought, like, Tristan Blackman was a really good pickup for them, who they immediately traded to the Whitecaps, and I was like, well, <laughs> if we're going to be... A nice defender for the Whitecaps, but If we're yeah. slinging around good bits of business and young defenders with promise, also with some height and physicality, I'm like, I'll take Tristan Blackman all day. So I'm happy 
uh, because the Whitecaps are happy. But I, obviously, it's not a full roster yet. So I'm kind of I'm watching it with a bit of a weather eye. Like, okay, I I feel like you have you've built a a team of maybe three or four starters and a pretty decent bench, and I'm interested to see what the rest of who else they bring in to fill out that starting eleven. I'm surprised they were able to get, you know me, I like Ishmael Tajiri Shradi. Um, I also kind of, I guess he was kind of in a sub role. Like maybe he's just one of like, you know, it was the right time to leave him unprotected. Yeah. So I was shocked to see him, you know, to see him moving. Um, and then to mm-hmm. see him, the, the idea that you could get a player like that and then be like, actually, I want Gam. Send him to LAFC. Yeah, which for me, I mean, wherever uh, Tajuri Shradi ended up, was they were going to be the winners in that deal, I felt. So I think it is a great pickup for LAFC. Obviously, it's not a, a replacement for Blackman, but we'd sort of been... not. We haven't talked about it at great length, but it's come up that LAFC, you know, this season especially, and, and a little bit last season, seem to have really sold sort of their most promising younger pieces, which... I think you and I both were like, well, that's kind of their model, so it makes sense. But it's kind of gotten to the point where you're like, so are they going to like keep any of the young players they bring to the club like for more <laughs> than a season or two? Like, I get the selling them on thing. I just sort of think, you know, if you can get them a, a, at least like two, three years at your club to really be getting the most out of them. But um, yeah, in the end, they get to Jury Shraddy. I'm... I, you know, if I'm New York City, I guess you just won a final, <laughs> so you're feeling you're feeling good, and you're feeling like maybe it's time to move on. I thought he he was excellent for them, um, maybe not as high profile of a player at points this season, but I think it's a, a great pickup for LAFC. So, um, oh, Atuesta was the other player that LFA, uh, LAFC shipped out. That was who I was thinking of as a player they lost. Right, and is he just out of the league? Yeah, he's going to Brazil to um, Palmeiras, I think. Oh yeah, that's right. The back, the the, the wave of the the cycle of people going back. You know, yeah. After everything, after everything uh, went. Any other uh, any anything else of note that you've you've seen so far in the transactions? Um, yeah, I think there's a couple of ones, and like we'll obviously in the off season or leading into the next season do a, a bigger rundown, but a couple that came in, coming in off, off the presses, um, Ben Sweat from Miami to SKC. I thought that was a notable one. Um, after one season in Miami, he is out and on his way to Sporting Kansas City. Ethan Finley is going to Austin, ah! um, which I'm a little bit surprised. I really thought Ethan Finley was kind of a, a going to be an evergreen Minnesota player. Um, obviously, he's been a very special player to them. But I also think, you know, it, a shakeup is probably not the worst for either club or player. And then um, another one that just came through is Chicago Fireland. Our old friend Spencer Ritchie. Oh, nice. White cap uh, is going to Chicago Fire, which I think is a great pickup for them. I, I don't get why Spencer Ritchie hasn't been more of a starting presence in MLS for clubs. Well being in Seattle behind <laughs> Stefan Fry didn't help. No. Um, but I, I think that this is a really good move for him. And I, I think, you know, a, a good opportunity for him to get uh, a starting spot and keep it. So that those were kind of the big ones. What about you? Is there anything, any news or any player movement things, any other pieces that we want to 
Um, Wrap up. I think the big one there is that well, we had Pat Newman being uh, inaugurated as the new coach in, in Cincinnati. Totally. Um, Thanks. Former yeah. assistant coach in various uh, spots in the league. Well, Sebastian Legette is going to New England. That's right. It's a big move. Um, that would, that's a, you know, especially like, I know that some of the promotion of that was on the MLS website was about Bruce Arena, um, him being able to work with him cause, cause he has that experience from the U S men's national team, which is good. I'm a little bit surprised as to why, um, a player, why Vanny would let a player like that go. Cause I kind of feel like in a, the era of like a little bit of turnover for, the LA Galaxy, you know, when mm. they have had, when they've had issues, you know, with a Chicharito or, you know, like, like with who is available for injury or who is, you know, transferring in and out. It's like, he has yeah. been a, he's been a stabilizing, I, I thought, presence that is able to contribute. Yeah, I, I think so too. I mean, I agree with all of that, and I don't think the New England move is, like, a bad thing for him or Galaxy. Like, I just thinking about, like, you know, some of the other transfers we've talked about, I, I sort of feel like there's clear winners and losers in the deal. Um, uh, you know, obviously, teams are still getting cash for players, but this this one feels a bit more like, as good as Legit's been at Galaxy and as you said consistent for them which has mattered greatly in the the tumultuous years they've had i i think clubs occasionally have these windows of of time where it makes sense to maybe move on from a big player um because you want to build the team differently and if part of greg vanny's ideas about rebuilding la galaxy's defense and attack you know Legit is an, an incredibly gifted player that just I don't think has had the right pieces around him but I, I also don't know that at this point in his career I would necessarily be looking to build an entire team around him right now so uh, I think it's a great pickup for New England it's an opportunity for Galaxy now with some even more money um, to go out and find some, some pieces that they feel like are really going to help the whole team um, not that Legette didn't help the whole team, but just, I, I think, again, bring up the overall quality of the club. And I, we know that Greg Vanny really is all about that. And you, it might mean there's no immediate, direct, like-for-like replacement for Legette, but I think the overall improvements are something Vanny's going to be looking to do. Um, but, you know, if you're a Galaxy fan, it's got to feel pretty sad. To, a lot has changed at the club, and even if you're excited about the future, I mean, Sebastian Legette has just, yeah, been such a, a steady presence there. Yeah. I I think that in some senses... the <laughs> one of the few Galaxy players I actually have time for. <laughs> that's true. I mean, that's what I just mean, is that it feels like there's so... You know, there's been... He's just been there. You're right about, you know, think back to 2015. The... Uh, the, the different sort of standing the club had in the league and, and you know, that was just coming off of, like, the big, you know, the, the mm-hmm. superheated era. Um, yeah. It feels like a lot of these pieces are, these moves are, like, half works in progress. You know, like, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna yeah. learn a little bit about what, we're gonna learn a little I bit agree. more once we see the, uh, any given manager's whole hand. Yeah. 
I think the the interesting ones for me are like Blackman to the Whitecaps is interesting not just because of the type of signing it is, which we don't traditionally make as like a young player in their prime. Um, that's also expensive. <laughs> <laughs> um, but also the fact that like we were one of the clubs that had the fewest roster updates like there really weren't that many options declined the few that were like half of them are in, currently in negotiations with the club so us and a couple of other clubs really haven't uh are not going to go the full turnover route or even a lot of turnover and so i think it's teams like that that i'm, I'm paying closer attention to where as you say like the signings mean a bit more right now because you can get a better picture of what the final, you know, the 2022 version of the team will look like. Whereas for other clubs, if I'm looking at LAFC and I'm looking at LA Galaxy, I'm like, I can't tell you many of the names that might be starting, um, God willing, in February. I don't know exactly where uh, Blackman fits in 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 the, the, you know, a back three or a back four for the Whitecaps. But that was certainly when we talked about, you know, when we gave our sort of post-mortem to a certain degree, that was something that I talked about was, you know, the need yep. the need for us to for recruitment of a strong individual in defense. So Yeah, and, and to me, I mean, I would say he's he's your starting center back in a back three. I'd I put him middle and in a back four, I think he's still a starter and you know, obviously we can get into the, the nitty gritty of the Whitecaps back line at a later date. I just, I, I feel like that's a really clear one where I go, this player was brought in to start. Um, there's lots of competitions, so he won't play every single game. Whitecaps now have a, a really great bit of depth because I think our center back cause was, was okay. Um, I just feel a little bit better about, you know, a Ranko Veselinovich type that I think still needs some work as maybe not being your starting center back <laughs> at the time. I agree with that. You know, and, and that's that's just where he's at. So as we anyway. as we sit back and, and, and watch these things um watch these news bits pile in, where can we find you online? You can find me online on Twitter and Instagram at that's OMLS. You can find this podcast at that's on Apple Podcasts, wherever else you get your podcasts. Please rate, review, and subscribe. Where can we find you? You can find me online on Twitter at Team Bates, www.team-bates.com. Team-bates.com. Hell yeah. Uh, and until next year, again, as we say, we say it every week, don't get sent off. Whether you're on the pitch or not, don't get sent off.